The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome to the show. Hey, if you want to give me a call, five open lines, 877-207-2276. Whew, boy, I missed the Matt Slick Live here. Okay, today is one of the busiest days I've had all year. And I uh, just hit the ground running and uh, literally shoved food down my face and uh, getting a radio. So here we are. I got to teach Bible study tonight. I got to do some tax stuff tonight. I got to get ready to the sermon for this weekend. <laughs> it's a lot. Wish I could work while I was driving because I'll be driving tomorrow. But hey, that's just how it is. We have five open lines if you want to give me a call. 877 207 2276. By the way, uh, tomorrow I'm going to be uh, not, I will not be on the radio live tomorrow. Luke Wayne's going to fill in, and he's probably going to f- be filling in on Monday as well because um, I'm going to be driving down to Salt Lake. I plan to come back on Monday, and I could make it back for the radio show, but I don't want to rush. I don't want to have any pressure, so I'm just going to have Luke do the show. And Luke does great. And he's been writing a lot of good stuff on the CARM website, and he's been doing with the issue, dealing with the issue of. Uh, of uh, evolution, intelligent design, and things like that. Uh, he does good work. He really does. And so, let's see. Four open lines, 877-207-2276. This Sunday, I'll be down in Provo preaching at uh, Church on... Oh, City on the Hill. City on the Hill. I think that's what it is, right, Laura? City on the Hill at 11 o'clock is when the service starts. You can look it up on the web, City on the Hill, uh, Provo. And also... Um, Let's see, where is Utah, U-T-L-M dot O-R-G? Because uh, the Utah Lighthouse Ministry, that's uh, in Salt Lake City. And if you are interested, I'm going to be there with Bill McKeever uh, this Saturday, two days from now. We're going to be there from 1 to 4, or is it 1 to 5, and uh, just manning the, uh, the store. And... If you go to UTLM, Utah Lighthouse Ministry.com, you can check it out. But anyway, it's the address is 1358 Southwest Temple Street, uh, 1358 Southwest. It's not too far from the, actually, you could, I think, I don't know, if you had a good arm, you could probably throw a, a, a baseball from uh, the headquarters to um, the baseball stadium right there at 1300 South and West. So uh, there you go. Boy, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on. Hey, come on, come on by uh, the uh, the bookstore and just say hi. You know, it'd be nice. Uh, nice to see people who listen on the radios. Say hi to Bill and say hi to me, and and uh, or just come in to get stuff. Uh, whatever you want to do. Whew. Man, busy day, busy day. But it's a good day. Good to be busy. It's good to be busy. I got so much going on. All right, uh, let's get to. Let's see. Uh, Tyler from North Carolina. Tyler, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. Doing all right. Hanging in there. Hanging in there. What do you got, man? For you, uh, Tyler. Um, okay. I have, I have uh, a buddy who um, has used the phrase, whosoever will may come, in defense mm-hmm. of uh, a free will um, okay. kind of paradigm in salvation. And... Okay. Um, as a Calvinist myself, I, I don't think they actually know that uh, that comes from a hymn and not scripture. 
But I think the hymn is based on Revelation twenty two seventeen. Mm-hmm. And if you could just exegete that, um, and, and maybe take it apart from a from a Calvinist perspective. <laughs> it's easy. Um, you know, first of all, logically speaking, uh, we Calvinists believe in whosoever will. Whoever will believe. We don't have any problem with that. Sure. That's not an issue. And what we do, what I do, to, and I say to people, I said, we, we agree, whoever believes will be saved. Whoever. And what they do is they say, well, that means then that the unbeliever has the free will ability just of himself to be able to believe. And I'll say, show me that in Scripture. And they look at me like, are you an idiot? No, I'm saying show me in Scripture. Because the Bible says the unbeliever cannot receive the things of God for their foolishness to him, 1 Corinthians 2.14. And then he's a slave of sin, Romans 6, 14 through 20. He's by nature a child of wrath, Ephesians 2.3. That uh, he doesn't do any good, doesn't even seek for God, Romans 3, 10, 11, and 12. So I say, in light of what the Scripture says about him, can you tell me uh, what your position is and how it's in the Scriptures? Well, whosoever. Okay, well, let's go over it again. Because the Bible says these things. The Bible says that uh, the man is desperately sick and wicked. His heart's full of evil. Uh, Isaiah 64, 6. Uh, it, you know, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We're by nature children of wrath, etc. So, so how is that possible? Because if your view is correct, if your view is correct that it's just up to their free will, then why does God have to grant that they believe? Philippians one twenty nine. Why does right. Jesus it, it, it say? Seems Je- the, the, it it okay. seems to be the same kind of conflation with whosoever in John three sixteen. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Automatic reading into the text of yeah, the, they do. Uh, free, free yeah. will. Right, and and I was going to say that John six sixty five is a killer verse because if it's all up to free will, then why does Jesus say you can't come to me unless it's been granted to you from the Father? John six sixty five. That's a devastating verse to them. It is. Now, when you go to John 3.16, that's a the famous verse, right? For God so loved the world, whoever believes. It does not say whoever in the Greek. The word whoever is the Greek word hos, and it's, um, it's an omega sigma. Hos. But what it says here is uh, pas ha pistuon. That's all the believing one. That's what it literally says. So, only begotten Son, that all the believing one in him shall not perish. So, what I like to do with people is, 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 you know, I'm telling you this stuff quickly, but I know you know a lot of this. The thing is, and this is for everybody who's listening, where does it say that we just have a free will ability to simply choose Christ? Where's an unbeliever who's a slave of sin, a hater of God, who doesn't do any good, doesn't seek for God, cannot receive spiritual things, his heart's desperately wicked and deceitful, how does he just simply believe in God? Because... Right, the, the, the evidence, the scriptural evidence seems so just overwhelmingly... Oh, yeah. Um, on, that, on that side. Mm-hmm. So to take a, a random phrase out of the book of Revelation, out of context, or, or something like that, seems seems a pretty fickle defense, especially when Paul says in the book of Romans that it's not he who wills or he who runs. Yeah, um, nice so, mm-hmm. so he even he, yeah, he even speaks directly to the will of man as yeah. um, as well as the actions of man. And, and neither of those are any account. That's right. So now when we look at uh, Revelation twenty two seventeen, the spirit and the bride say, come. 
and let the one who hears say come and let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take the water of life uh, without cost there's no challenge to reform theology whatsoever there none at all right and we, I, I think it's telling too when 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 your defense comes from a hymn and not directly from scripture uh, I think that's <laughs> that's probably uh probably the first sign that it's not a, a very cogent argument uh, well, I would agree if you're quoting whosoever will may come and it's a it's a song well, of the you, church so. you got to understand something now this is my opinion the Christian church is only as biblical as it's biblical and what happens is over the years sentimentality and easy theological assumptions are allowed to creep in you know John three sixteen is a great one whosoever would believe that therefore means that it's up to the individual's free will in their sinful state now they're reading a great deal into the text and they don't realize that they're not looking at the whole of Scripture and essentially and this is my opinion what they're doing is demoting God and exalting man when you read Romans 9 9 through 23 it clearly clearly says it's not up to man but up to God who wills and it specifically says so so when I show this to them they have a conniption fit or they say that's just your interpretation and they don't they don't even look at the text and the reason is in my opinion is because they follow the blonde hair blue-eyed Caucasian surfer Jesus dressed in a woman's nightgown dressed in a you know woman that's got asking uh, permission for you in your wisdom to let him in and if that's the case, then why does it have to be that God grants that we believe, Philippians 1.29, or grants us repentance, 2 Timothy 2.25, or uh, we're, that we're born again not of our own will, John 1.13, or that as many as had been appointed to eternal life, Acts 13.48, or we're caused to be born again, 1 Peter 1.3, or you cannot come to me unless the Father grants it to you, John 6.65. If this ultimatum of free will and human level is in the sinful state is so true, then why are those other verses there that say that God has to grant it to you if it's just up to your free will? Furthermore, here's right. another thing and, I and the, to say. I ask yeah, them, I ask them, look, do you pray and ask God to change the heart of people to believe? And they'll say, well, yes. I say, well, there you go. Good Reformed theology. Because why would you do that? If it's just up to their free will, why would you be concerned about anything? Because it's just up to their free will. Why pray? Just have the gospel given to them, and it's up to them, right? So if you ask God to influence them, then you're admitting they need help. They can't do it on their own. Right. Yeah, it's, I, I find it ironic, the, uh, the noblest door that Jesus is knocking at, the uh, inspiration from the, the scripture that inspired that picture, Jesus is talking to the church. He's not talking to uh, humanity uh, universally, but the church specifically. Right. Um, but in in some yeah. weird way, it gets uh, conflated to mean he's talking to to everyone. But yeah, I appreciate it, Matt. I, I always say that I, I never, in my wildest dreams, wanted to become a Calvinist, and uh, <laughs> it, it's something your flesh just absolutely hates. And uh, and I, I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing when the uh, truth of God's word um, rubs your flesh the wrong way and uh and keeps you keeps you in line so hey man i appreciate your ministry and that's all i have for you brother 
All right, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks for calling, buddy. Appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, sir. All right. That's Tyler from North Carolina. We have four open lines. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Alex from Florida. Hey, are you got your flipper fins on there and having a good time? <laughs> yeah, you know me. I'm just swimming in the floodwater. You know, I was going to say that what you need to do out there is just take a whole bunch of, like, vitamin C and, I mean, gallons of it, just buckets of it with uh, baking soda. Just put it in the water around you and, and just, it'll clean everything. Might as well clean the house. You know what? I, I, honestly, Matt, I think that would fly down here. You know how it is in Florida. People would probably be totally okay with it. That's right. They would. So what do you got, Big Man? Oh, well, by uh, the way, uh, are you okay? I mean, how, how's it working with a hur- hurricane down there? Have you been hit? <clears throat> yeah, so the winds got pretty bad. It was about 70, 70 mile an hour wind, or 70, 75 mile an hour wind. And then uh, a whole tree came down in our backyard. So praise the Lord, it didn't hit our house. It went straight in a line in our backyard from the neighbor's house. Wow. Yeah, wow. and there's still flooding in our neighborhood and stuff, but man, like, okay. and it was funny because my wife says, she says, uh, yeah, I was praying because I kept downplaying the hurricane. And my wife says, I was praying to God, like, have something happen, but don't have so much damage. So Alex realizes how serious this thing is. That was right. my wife's prayer. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, look, there's the music. So hold on, and then we'll get your okay, question okay. after the break. All right, man. All right. Hey, folks. Two open lines, 877 877- Two zero seven two two seven six. Give me a call. Be right back. It's Matt Slick live, taking your calls at eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. Here's Matt Slick. All right, but welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Let's get back on with Alex from Florida. Alex, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, brother. Um, so, yeah, so my question is, uh, there's a popular evangelical figure right now in the reform circles that's been taking a lot of heat. And I, I have a question about him myself, and I want to... I want you to draw First Timothy three, verse seven. Mm-hmm. What he is your take on that verse? A good reputation with those outside the church, so that he will not fall and reproach the snare of the devil. Yeah. Okay. What about yeah. What? What? Uh, for, yeah. Yeah. What's your take on that? I mean, I've looked at the Greek. I've looked at other translations. I think it's pretty clear that if you have a church and you're an elder. You need to have a good reputation amongst the community that you're living in. Would would you agree? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then my second question is is that when I'm talking to people about this, they're saying, "Well, what what about Paul in Rome and and people were attacking the Christians and mm-hmm. they were doing this and they didn't like him and blah blah blah." And they'll go back at with me at me for that, but I'll just stick to that verse. Have you ever come across anything like that? No, not really, but I'm not understanding the problem or the issue. So the okay, person so the problem must have is, a, is a good reputation. Yeah, there's a, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, so the problem is, is like, there's a popular evangelical figure that doesn't have a good reputation in his community. And he's pretty okay. close who's to that? home, where you're at. Who's, who's that? Oh, you I'm mean... talking about Doug Wilson. Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah. in Moscow, Idaho, you know, the community does not like him. And I would say that the qualification of the elder is pretty clear, that he needs to have a good reputation with those outside the church. Yeah, I guess it's an interesting point. Now, here's the thing. For example, not justifying anything, but I live here in uh, Idaho, and it happens to be in my neighborhood, there's a lot of Mormons. And so I would not say that I have a good reputation among my, my, uh, my people in my neighborhood. You know? So mm-hmm. once some Mormon missionaries stopped by a guy's house, I was driving out, and I rolled, stopped in the street, rolled down my window, and I said, hey, how you guys doing? You know, and the Mormons came out in the street and talked, and five, six, seven, eight people came out of their homes and surrounded my car. And one woman said, we know who you are. We don't want you here. For real. <laughs> Mormons are, yeah, they're so gentle yeah. and loving. Yeah, hypocrites. I've had that. It's just typical. And, uh, yeah, you know, you go to Rexburg and see what happens when you open up a church and how they stand out in front of the uh, the church with uh, pots and pans and bang on it while you're having your service. So um, okay. the context okay, is everything. So if you're in the midst of an environment where un- unbelievers are warring against you because they hate the truth, then, okay, that's a problem. Uh, it, well, it's not a problem in this context, I mean, in verse 7. But if it's not the case where there's a bunch of um, problems that are raising because you're standing for the truth, then this needs to be understood in the whole of Scripture. Because notice what it says, so that you'll not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. The reputation is so a good one so that you don't fall into that problem. So what would be about it in a context of a reputation outside the church that would be something that um, could lead to sin? I don't know what that means. Okay. Um, well, so you know, you're going to Utah soon, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The pastor you know there, does he have a pretty good reputation in his community? I don't know. Oh, okay. I, I, okay, how about a pastor preacher. you do know of? Yeah, well, I can't I can't answer the question because I haven't gone door-to-door in the pastor's uh, neighborhoods knocking and saying, what do you think of him? I haven't done that. So, you know, can't answer that one. Okay. Yeah, I was just kind of getting your take because, I mean, I, I think even though, Paul, people hated the truth, that's one thing, like you're saying, they hated Christ, okay? We understand that. But... It, you know, he wasn't, he actually in Acts, ah, I forgot, if you could look it up, King Agrippa in Acts, where Paul's talking to King Agrippa, King Agrippa actually commended him mm-hmm. in that sense. Yeah. Yes, it's a difficult thing. In fact, because you brought this up, um, my neighborhood, so to speak, is really the Internet. So, like last night, I was on for two and a half hours on clubhouse answering questions i will spend time on discord i'll spend time on the metaverse i'll spend time uh, in different venues uh, having live conversations voice conversations and what i've worked on over the years 
a lot is being patient and being gentle such that they don't have um, any reason to complain against me other than the logic the scriptures that they don't like you know that's different and so it's a difficult thing to do and sometimes I still blow it and get a little uppity with some people but that's very infrequent and so there are atheists for example who hate my guts there are atheists who I would say come over to the house here's the keys of the house I gotta be gone for a week I'll see you later and so there's a wide range of people on the outside of the church so what then is the context of outside the church it would seem to be in your immediate neighborhood but not necessarily because what about outside the church does it just says those outside the word the church is not in the Greek there and it seems to be as it said with the second part so that you don't fall into reproach and snare the devil that you are as, as good as your reputation and vice versa it seems, it seems to be something there so you could have a reputation for being a good man but not liking what he's doing like Doug Wilson I'm not defending Doug Wilson but I'm saying that yeah. he's going in they're doing Bible studies they're, they're doing a lot of stuff I have connections uh, I have a phone number of a guy who goes there and I could ask him questions and I could probably even get an audience with Doug okay. and ask questions if I wanted to drive up or something because you know I do but the the church is going to uh, excuse me the unbelievers are going to hate what he does when he fights against abortion fights against uh, the woke mentality and stupidity so they, that wouldn't be a good reputation but what about the issue of is he gentle is he kind is he long suffering would they say yes he is but we don't like the other part so this is a difficult thing to get into and analyze because there's different aspects of it yeah. okay well let me ask you one more question so if you if you were online and there has been you know 20 30 years of you having a bad reputation mm-hmm. would you think you were disqualified uh, well because it is true I have a bad reputation on the internet I, it's also true I have a good reputation on the internet so what do we do oh, okay. You can find, I, I say to people, yeah, look my name up on Google. Most of what you'll find is not true. And I say that as a joke. Yeah. But there are people, there's one guy who did a five-hour video why Matt Slick is not a Christian. Five hours. <laughs> okay. Sorry. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So I've had it from every angle. But most of them, they, they think I'm very respectful. So it's mostly a good reputation. Okay, buddy? Got to go, man. There's a break. Okay. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right, man. God bless. Hey, folks, three open lines. Give me a call. 877-207-2276. Leave right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Two open lines if you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Julie from North Carolina, welcome. You're on the air. Hi, Slick. Um, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I, you know, I have to give it to you. You really do your homework, and you know a lot about the Bible. Some things I just don't, I, I don't get. But I have a couple questions. Um, okay. One was uh, about a recent um, caller in said something about the mind of Christ and 
mm-hmm. and having the spirit of God in them. Um, he didn't go into that very well. He said it was um, um, narrowed down what it means. Can you go into that a little bit? What exactly it means to sure. have the spirit of God in you and the mind of Christ? Yeah, what I would think it is is uh, his thinking, his attitude, his desires that he has revealed in the Word of God and his disciple uh, teaching in the disciples and how they carried it out. Because, uh, you know, I thought about it um, and done some research on it. And so to say we have the mind of Christ is to say, I think it was within reason to say that it, it is including the issue of his desires and will for us, for the unbelievers, for people to witness how we're to behave, how we're to love and show patience and things like that. And I think that's what's, what's going on there. That's, that's good. That's good. It's like um, love thy neighbor as thyself is the cornerstone of the, the faith in Christ. And... Um, you should be love the Lord to God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, because God should be the ultimate standard and the ultimate goal. And the first and greatest commandment oh, is to love God, and the second one is to love our neighbors ourselves. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, love our okay. neighbors. That's um, you know, um, I find I find um, listening to the Spirit of God is is easy. The yoke is easy. What's hard is 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 um, doing it when I'm not doing it, and then it becomes yeah. hard because then yeah. you're in the, the world. But but it's easy when I'm not, and then I can kind of stand back and say, well, um, and look at the situation. But um, great. Um, okay. Another thing is, um, um, I had a question mm-hmm. about um, um, yeah. who, who God calls in the church. What um, do you mean, who He calls in the church? Who he calls to do his work, to feed his sheep, and things like that. Um, you mean pastors and elders? Um, I, pastors, elders, judges. I'm not sure I understand what your question you is, know. though. What's your question? What, my, my question is, God will call whom he, he will, whom he chooses. That's basic. Yeah. God will call whom he will. Yes. And, and I, I, I was looking at being a, a woman an elderly woman um, if reading the Bible in the way I do and looking at it and a lot of way a lot of women do um, like what's your I your question or, though what's your question my question is um, it judges um, okay you need to can you just ask me a specific question I asked you a question and you start going off of different topics so what's the question you want to ask, okay? Are you okay, um, trying to find out about well, women pastors well, and elders? When I was reading, when I, was reading in, um, I think it was Chronicles, and that's when um, Nathan the prophet was talking to David, and, and David wanted to build a, um, a temple, and then, and then God spoke with him, and he said, he said, is wheresoever have I walked with all Israel, spake I a word of any a word to any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people, saying, Why have you built me a temple of cedars? So God is telling the prophet to tell David he doesn't get to build this 
temple. And, and he goes on to the word to his judges. And Deborah was a judge of Israel. Okay, I, I'm asking so you to give me a question, please. Give me a question. Or we're, we're going to just have to move on, okay? I need a question. Okay, All right. uh, well, God, 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 is, God has called women to do work on earth. And are you trying to justify women pastors and elders? Are you trying to uh, to I, get? God will, God will justify I'm asking you a question. Are, are you trying to justify and support the idea that women can be pastors and elders? That's what I'm asking. Is that what you're trying to say? Okay, we'll just move along because she's not answering and she's beating around the bush a whole bunch. And to go to Deborah as a judge in Israel, not an elder or a pastor in the church, it doesn't apply to the New Testament context because it's a different category, different thing. Let's get to Terry from Iowa, whom we lost. It was a good question. It was on John 3, 5. Would love to have spoken about that. The next longest waiting is Norm from North Carolina. Norm, welcome. You're on the air. Hey. Hey, Matt. Hi. What do you got, man? So, so my question, uh, I'm Reformed, and uh, I, when I speak to uh, my Christian friends, a lot of them, I guess, would be four-point Calvinists. And the, mm -hmm. yeah. the problem that they end up having is limited atonement. Okay, yeah. Can you explain yes. that? To explain that they have a problem? Well, the problem is that they have a problem with limited atonement. There, I explained it. So, 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 uh, what do you? What's your question? So, so, how would you? I mean, how would you argue with somebody that uh, that says no? When Christ died, he died for the entire world for, okay. for the sins of men that have ever lived. And okay. I and I would say no. He died for for the elect. Okay. Just ask him. Did he die for everybody who ever lived? Yes. Did he pay for everybody's sin who ever lived? They'll say yes. Go to 1 Samuel 3.14. 1 Samuel 3.14. Behold, or God, said, God speaking, Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So the iniquity of Eli's house will not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So, did Jesus uh, sacrifice for their sins? Uh, apparently not, no. And I've had him say, yes, he did. Well, okay, let's go over the verse again. And this is where I get into a repetitive loop. Where I'll read the same thing over and over, and I'll say, First Samuel 3.14, I'll say the address because I want him to remember the verse. It says that the iniquity of Eli's house will not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. And so I'll ask him, is the sacrifice of Christ included in the sacrifice or offering forever? Well, yes. And so I have to go over this for 10, 15, 20 minutes with them sometimes before they finally stop submitting the, the uh, scriptures to their understanding instead of reversing it. That's what I'll do. That's one yeah. of the ways to do this. I say, look, that's what it says. You're just denying what it says. I've shown this to people and it stumped them. And I've had people say, well, I don't care what it says. Well, okay, then. Then, you know, you believe whatever you want. We're done with our conversation. Now, that's one thing. Another thing is sin is a legal debt. 1 John 3, 4. Sin is a transgression of the law. And I'm going to give you something here, and people to listen, because this is logic with Scripture, right out of the Word of God. Sin is breaking the law of God, 1 John 3, 4. Sin is a legal debt. 
because Jesus says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. In Matthew six twelve, he said, Forgive us our debts. In Luke eleven four, in the parallel, he said, Forgive us our sins. So Jesus equates sin with legal debt. Sin is the word hermartia, and debt is the word ophilima. And they're different words. Jesus uses two different words to describe sin. It's a legal debt. Why? Because it's breaking the law of God. And I'll ask them, are you with me so far? And they'll say, well, yes. I say, okay. So, um, <clears throat> i got a question for you. And I'll say, I, I have an illustration called Coma Man. This is just an illustration. I say, Coma Man. And he goes to the bank on the first uh, Monday of every month, and he pays his mortgage. He likes the, the process. He likes doing it. And he's been doing it for years. And they know him at the bank and everything. And one day on the way there, he gets in a car accident, and he's in a coma for a month. So he's a month late in his payment. And he wakes up and miraculous recovery. But during this time, while he's in the hospital, a philanthropist goes and pays off his debt. His legal debt's paid. Now here's the question. Is his legal debt actually paid? Yes. Can this coma man be held responsible for the debt that's already been paid for? No. Because it's paid for. And they'll say, so well, what if you pers- they'll, they'll say, what if he doesn't accept it? It's, it's irrelevant whether he accepts it. He wakes up, he goes to the bank, I've got to pay my debt, it's already been paid, the guy says. He goes, well, I don't accept that. Here's my $1,000 check, pay the mortgage. And the bank can't take it because the debt has been paid. It's gone. It's not made effective by what we do, it's made effective by what Jesus did. When we get back from the break, I'll show you and I'll prove it to you from Scripture, okay? Hold on now. Please stay tuned. Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, before we get to the call, I just want to remind you, I'll be down in Provo, Utah on October 2nd, preaching at uh, City on a Hill Church at 11 a.m. If you're interested in attending, you know, it'll be fine. But also, uh, we'll be at the Utah Lighthouse Ministry on Saturday from 1 to 4. I'll be with Bill McKeever. Bill McKeever's an He's a world-class expert on Mormonism, and uh, he works every now and then with uh, Sandra Tanner. And uh, so I'll be there with him at the Utah Lighthouse uh, Ministry, and that's uh, off West uh, Temple, uh, Southwest Temple, uh, just across the street and down a little bit, across the street from uh, the uh, the baseball stadium. We'll be there Saturday, 1 to, to 5. You know, stop on in say hi. All right, let's get back on here with Norm. All right, you there? Yep, I'm here. Oh. All right, one more verse that is an absolute killer verse, and it's Colossians 2.14, where it says, it's talking about Jesus having canceled out the certificate of debt. The certificate of debt is a single Greek word, kerographon, and it means a hand, handwritten IOU of legal indebtedness. The certificate of debt, the sin debt, because remember, sin is breaking the law of God. And... Uh, Jesus equated sin with legal debt, and Jesus bore our sin in his body on the cross. That means our sin was imputed to him. He bore our sin. 
It's by legality. It, our, ours legally became his. They were transferred to him. Just as his righteousness legally becomes ours, at which is called justification. And uh, that's out of uh, Philippians 3, 9, 5, Romans 5, 1. But the certificate of debt is the uh, handwritten I.O. view of legal indebtedness. It's breaking the law. It's your sin debt, which is consisting of decrees. Those, those decrees, that thou shalt not, and so thou shalt, uh, which are against us. We've broken those laws. Hence, we have a, a sin debt. So having canceled out the certificate of debt, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And what I'll do is I'll say, where was the sin debt canceled? And they, it's not when you believe, and it's not when you get baptized. It's when Jesus died right. on the cross. So, That's what it says. So okay. sometimes, right, so sometimes we'll say, well, free will. So, you know, Christ died for everybody, but it's not until you believe that it's applied. It's wrong. See, the death that's canceled, the sin debt is not applied when you believe. Justification, the righteousness of God, is applied when you believe. People don't get the difference. The sin debt is canceled at the cross. You're not justified until you believe. Having therefore been justified by faith, Romans 5.1, to the one who does not work but believes, his faith is credited as righteousness. Justification is the crediting of righteousness. The righteousness of the Lord God through Christ is imputed to us. That's Romans, excuse me, Philippians 3.9. We have a righteousness that's not our own. People make the mistake of thinking that the work of Christ depends on our faithfulness. It does not. The work of Christ depends on the work of Christ. The effectiveness and the truth of Christ's work depends on his work, not ours. His faithfulness, not ours. And people make the mistake of adding their own faithfulness to the work of Christ that then makes it valid to them. No, it's not the case. Um, he removed the sin debt and canceled it at the cross. We are justified when we believe. These are two separate things. And they have to understand in Colossians 2.14, that's where the sin debt's canceled. It doesn't mean we're born saved. Because you, there's another aspect called the now and the not yet. When we are, uh, for Christ, it was his now, but our not yet. And yet he bore our sins in the future. The now and the not yet is perfectly exemplified right there. And I expanded quite a bit more. But he canceled the sin debt. Now I ask people, who did he cancel it for? Well, they say everybody. Well, then can you go to hell for a sin debt that doesn't exist anymore? Well, you've got to believe. It doesn't matter if you believe or not. It doesn't exist. No, you've got to believe. Listen to me again. If it's not there, if it's canceled, can you go to hell for what doesn't exist? And they, they, they're stuck. Yeah, I think it's definitely. Yeah, I think it's definitely got to be a, a, a many-pronged approach. The the first one you gave me, the the Samuel. What was it? Samuel two thirteen. First Samuel three fourteen. Pi of a circle three point one four one five three fourteen. First yeah, Samuel three. Okay. All right. Okay, so that's so yeah, that'll yeah. that'll negate that. Plus, there's the issue of blasphemy. The Holy Spirit will not be um, forgiven in this age or the age to come. Matthew twelve twenty two to thirty two. So those are the issues. People have to stop 
trying to think that Jesus is the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Caucasian surfer dude dressed in a woman's nightgown, and it's up to you and your wisdom to believe, and that he loves everybody so much that he's begging you to come in, and that he died for everybody and canceled the sin for everybody. Now it's just up to you. That's not biblical theology. That's heresy. But it's what's taught in most right, of the churches. I mean, Right, I mean, if you ask, uh, you know, the, the even, average evangelical, does he love everybody? Oh, yes, he loves everybody. Oh, okay, what about Pharaoh? Did he love Pharaoh? That's right. And in Psalm 5, 5, Psalm 11, 5, he hates all who do iniquity. And, and then there's enmity with, between God and, and people and stuff like this. So people are, see, they're taught partial biblical theology. And what I did not like, seriously, when I became Reformed before that process, I didn't like what, the, what people were telling me. I said, no, that's not how it works. Jesus is obviously Caucasian. And he also has a really good complexion and nice kind of semi-blonde hair. And he, you know, he's yeah. dressed really nice and, and nicely, and he's not going to be rude. It's up to you and your wisdom. This is what I was taught early on. And people were saying, well, have you thought about this yeah. or this or that? And I remember every inch of the way going, I don't like that. But then I, I see, I believe in the scriptures. Well, that's what it says. That's what it says. That's what it says. And I gradually moved into, that's what it says. If he canceled the sin at the cross, then if it's canceled for everybody, nobody can go to hell. And they'll say, well, you got to believe. But belief is a command of God. Believe in God, believe also in me. John 14, 1, Jesus says. And in Exodus 20, you're to have no other gods before God. In the Ten Commandments, you're supposed to believe in God. But it's a, it's a law requirement. Believe in him. And yet, people say, well, that's the one sin that isn't paid for by Jesus. Where do they get this stuff? They make stuff up. And, yeah, you know, yeah. if they would believe in the sovereignty of God, and then... And then they, they do this. They'll, they'll ask God to change the hearts of people. Well, wait a minute. If it's up to their free will, why you ask God to change? That's violating their free will, isn't it? And they don't get it. That's and right. so, that's right. So, and the cults, get this, all cults, all false religions, deny that God is a sovereign king who elects whom he desires for salvation. Every one of them denies it. Okay? Every one. Gotcha. Because, because the way of, of, of mankind is to compromise the Word of God, to not submit to the infinite majesty, holiness, and work of God who has brought all things into existence either directly or indirectly, and that all things work after the counsel of His will, which is why he says, as many as had been appointed to eternal life, believed. They believed because they were appointed, Acts thirteen forty eight, And that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, Ephesians 1, 4. This is the work of God. But somehow, some way, we're able to pray through Christ and ask God to save more. And I don't know how it all works, but I know this. That the more I pray and the more I preach, apparently the more God's calling. It's above my pay grade to know how it works. But this is what the scripture says. And as a word of, uh, as a, someone who teaches the word of God, I must submit to what it says. And I'm going to say to this to people who are listening, if you don't like what I'm saying, go check it out in scripture and see if what I'm saying is right there. And if you don't want to listen to me, I don't care. Don't listen. Go find someone who will tickle your ears. But this is what the word of God says. And I say to people, read the word and believe the word. Change your heart. Change your mind as the Word of God shapes it. That's how it's supposed to be, okay?
All right. Amen. Thank you very much, Matt. Appreciate it. Amen, brother. All right. God bless. Hey, let's get back to Julie because we lost her. Julie, welcome. You're on the air. Yes. Hi. Thanks for taking my call back again. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, again, um, talking about women in the Bible oh. and who God will call. And he has called many women in the Bible to, to um, do his will and to... And to um, What's your question? Bring I, I about need a question. I need a question, okay? Uh, my question is, I, is, I think you're hurting women um, and, and causing them to backslide when you, when, you, when you deny them to follow God's will and plan for their life. Did you really... Okay, hold on a sec. On hold, on, on hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't deny them following God's will and plan for their life. I never do that. I encourage them to do that. You think they cannot, women who talk, who they, preach, they, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. They cannot be pastors and elders because the Bible says that's not their position. Okay? That's, that's not true. That's true. That's yes, it is true. Love the men. Yes, it is true. Yes, it is true. Yes, it is true. Hold on. Quiet, quiet, quiet. I have to correct you. We only have a few minutes, and you're not uh, being humble before God's Word. The Word of God says in 1 Timothy 2, 12 and 13, Paul says, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but remain silent, for Adam was first created. This is the will of, of Paul the Apostle. And he says in the next chapter, in verse 3, 15, in 1 Timothy three fifteen, he's giving instruction to the household of God. So he's saying a woman is not to be in position of authority over a man in the church. And furthermore, when you go to First Timothy chapter three, and it talks about the elder because and the bishop, and the elder is a pastor, or the pastor is an elder automatically, and you go to First Timothy five seventeen, give double honor to the elders, especially those who work hard at preaching. The preacher, pastor, is an elder. The Bible says the elder is to be aner mias gunaikas or andre mias gunaikas, a man of one woman. A woman cannot be an elder because she can't be a man of one woman. It's very simple. Julie, did you hear what I said? I I am not taking away any um, respect. Let me ask you. How 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 can a woman how can a woman become an elder if the requirement for an elder is to be a man of one wife? How can she do that? Well, well, um, Deborah became a judge of Israel. Was Deborah an elder in the church? Was Deborah an elder in the church? Was I asked you? Was I asked you? Was she an elder in the church? Well, people no. came to her no. direction. Julie, you're not and listening. Julie, Julie, Julie. How can a woman be an elder when the Bible says the elder has to be male? That was one guy. And if you believe, if you remember that. That's one guy. That's just one guy. That's what Paul said. One guy. Folks, look, let me tell you. This is how heresies abound. This is subjecting the Word of God to your feelings, your desires, and what society says. This is the bedrock of apostasy. I tell you what it says. I read what it says. She's not interested in what the Word of God actually says. She has an agenda. Unfortunately, uh, it's not a good one. Uh, Men, you need to step up and do what's right in the church. Women need to understand. Men are called to this position, not females. I will debate anybody on it publicly. Come out to your church, and we'll have a public debate on this. Does the Bible support women, pastors, and elders? 
All right. I'll be uh, back on the radio on Tuesday. I'll be at uh, Utah Lighthouse Ministry on Saturday with Bill McKeever. If you want to come by and say hi, be preaching on uh, Sunday in Provo at Church City on the Hill Church uh, in Provo on Sunday. God bless everybody. Hope you have a great weekend. And uh, give Luke a hard time uh, Friday and Monday. May the Lord bless you and him. God bless everybody. We'll see you. Bye. Another program powered by the Truth Network.